0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. I love this text right here. It's one that I've pondered many times over the years. But he starts with this. He goes, therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Anytime you see the word therefore, you always ask, what is it therefore? You go back and read the previous And again, as we talked last week, the contrast of walking in light versus darkness, walking as an imitator of God versus in sexual immorality, I mean, that's the context in which we find ourselves here, okay? Be careful how you live. Watch how you're walking. He goes on to say, not as an unwise man, but as a wise man. Make the most of your time. Some translations say redeem the time. Why do you want to redeem the time and be careful how you walk? He says, because the days in which we find ourselves living are tremendously evil. So then do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine. Foolishness. That is dissipation. He goes on to say, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father, be subject to one another in fear of the Lord, basically. All right, so stop. He starts with a warning, right? He he calls out to us: pay attention, observe how you're doing life, observe how you're living. The word walk again is Paul's favorite metaphor when you study the scripture here, and he's he's like Pay attention to how you're conducting yourself, living, what you believe, what you think, how you do life. Pay pay attention. Pay attention to everything that you say, everything you do, the people you associate with. Just pay attention. Observe where you're at in life. And the emphasis here is this. How we live matters to God. How we do life every day. God cares about every decision that we make because every decision that we make has consequences. Every choice that we make, there's consequences. So he says, walk, 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 walk in wisdom. Don't be an idiot. That's the Tim translation. Don't don't be foolish. Don't don't ignore all these warning signs. And, And you know as well as I do, It is so easy to become lazy, and it is so easy to become apathetic, and it is so easy to be careless instead of careful in the way we do life. So many people live for the day. They live for the moment. They they live for the adrenaline of the moment, Nick. And what they find themselves doing is getting off the path of God and living a life of insanity. Hey, pay attention to how you're living right now. Look at your time and your talents and your treasures and make sure you're stewarding what God has entrusted you for his glory. Pay attention. Again, pay attention to what you believe. Pay attention to who you listen to. Pay attention to what media sources you lean into. Pay attention to so-called prophets out there that you entertain. But pay, pay attention, listen. And I guarantee you, for many of us, and many in this area, and many in this state, and many in this country, they would be walking in much more freedom today if they would just turn off the TV. We're being bombarded with corruption. We're being bombarded with all—be careful what you pay attention to. Why? Because the days that we find ourselves living in are very evil. When Paul wrote this to the believers in Ephesus, there was all this corruption, debauchery, drunkenness, uh, immorality, sexual uh, sin was being heightened. But I can tell you that we're living in the days of Ephesus today. We are. We're living in the days of Ephesus. There's temptation all around us. There's darkness all around. Around us, and it is so easy for any of us, if we're not being careful, paying attention, to fall into the traps of Satan. Watch what, how you walk. I'll never forget one of the gifts and joys of life has been uh, has been parenting, right? And uh, having five kids, they're also uh, unique. They're they're just different. They're wired different. And I was thinking about this, Dave, and just pondering this text. I remember out of our five, Jesse, he started walking when he was eight months old. That was crazy. I I needed him to crawl for a while longer. I, I didn't need him exploring and getting into everything as quick as he did. I promise you this, when he was little, like a year and a half, two years, he had that little Jeep thing that he would get out there, battery operated, little Tykes car thing. And he would get out there and cruise around. And he's like, I want a four wheeler. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're not getting a four wheeler. He goes, I want a four wheeler. And I said, well, maybe when you learn how to ride a bicycle, I'll entertain you one day getting a four wheeler. He, he, he starts riding a bicycle. I'll never forget this. He, he turned three years old, three. He goes, take the training wheels off in his little broken lingo with me. I said, dude, you're, you're, you're three, you're little. I took the training wheels off and he takes off and I'm like, you're insane. He starts walking at eight months old. Never forget this. So uh, around the time he was about 11 months old, he and I were outside and, uh, I take him outside. I'm like, come on, let's go. And I, I put him down in our driveway, and he just starts walking. He, he's just walking around. But all of a sudden, he takes off, off the pavement, and he starts to enter the yard, and it's like July. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's a fire ant hill there. And he starts walking toward it, and I go grab him. And and I remember holding him, saying, listen, listen, you, you, you can't walk there. And he's looking at me like, Whatever, dude. And 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 so I end up putting, putting him back down, and he ends up taking off there again. He's just rambling and just going wherever. But I'll never forget the Lord said, hey, 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 you've got wisdom. He's got enthusiasm. He's learning how to walk. He don't know where to walk. He don't know what to walk away from enthusiasm and passion can be misused and very misguided when you don't have wisdom. The whole contrast that Paul is laying out for the believers is walking and living in this world requires wisdom. You're not going to get it from man. You're not going to get it from secular humanism. He says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, reverence and respect and honoring God is the beginning of knowledge. That's where you get knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I've seen people live very foolish lives when they reject and refuse to listen to wisdom. You try to give them instruction and coaching and they just look at you like you've lost your mind. Wise people look to the Lord, but fools will not seek the Lord. Fools will not consider the Lord. Fools do not pursue the Lord. And the contrast he makes here is wisdom versus foolishness. Now, listen to this. Knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of information based on your education and experience. Knowledge is cheap. We live in a culture today, when I was growing up, if you were trying to research something, you would have to actually go somewhere to a library, and you would have to break out a card catalog, and you would have to research, and you would have to find on the shelf a certain book, and it would take time. But you were pursuing knowledge and information. Today, you grab your phone and tap in a few words, and bam, here it is, and you've got Education, information is disposable. It's at your fingertips. That's not what God is talking about. Wisdom is knowing how to apply proper knowledge for the glory of God and for the good of your neighbor. There's a lot of people that have useless information. But wisdom is when I start to hear the voice of God saying, here's how you glorify me with that information, and here's how you love and bless your neighbor. See, God wants us to live a life flooded with wisdom. God is wisdom. God is the place of wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom. Even James would say, if you lack wisdom, just ask God. And we all lack like wisdom. Wisdom. But again, wisdom does not come from human resources. And I can promise you, it's not coming from you. It's got to come from the one that made you, who spoke the worlds into existence. He makes this statement, Brian, where he says, redeem the time, make the most of your time. Why? Because idle time, again, is the devil's workshop. Idle time is nothing more than temptation time. Being bored... You'll open the door for the enemy to pick you apart and eat your lunch unaccounted for time. You start to think about it. Time is the greatest commodity that we have unaccounted for time. We waste time. When you're in those spaces right there, it opens up the door for potential immorality and gossip and wandering and drunkenness and whatever, people that are actively engaged in purposeful tasks, they usually don't screw things up that much. But it's when we're isolated and, and the enemy comes at us and he, he's trying to pick us apart and he, he goes, redeem your time, make the most of your time, make sure you're living life in such a way. That glorifies God. That's what he says. Understand what God's will is. Understand what the Lord wants. And God's will is in his word. God's will is not lost. And people will use that cliche and spiritual jargon oftentimes. Hey, what's up? Well, I'm just praying for God's will. Oh, that sounds so sp- spiritual but 99.5 percent of God's will is in his word so you're over here looking for that 0.5 percent you see what God's will is collectively for all of us is in scripture but selectively at times God will prompt in the spirit but collectively his word is where we find his will and we deflect at times And we really deny honoring God at times by using spiritual cliches and jargon. Well, I'm just praying for what God's will is, Steve. I'm like, well, I can tell you what His will is in many areas. A fool rejects God's will. They may even know it, but they refuse to submit to it, they refuse to honor God. A fool. And can I tell you something? There's a lot of fools and positions today of influence. A lot of fools. They're rejecting God's wisdom. They're rejecting God's word. They're refusing to submit to the voice of God. But a wise life, a wise life will honor God. We'll want to know what God says about something because the word of God is our authority and it is our final authority. Now, here's where he builds this argument again with the believers, young believers in Ephesus. He goes, hey, hey, you want to you live wise now? If you want to live wise, it means not getting drunk with wine. Really, the word there, oinos, is strong drink, liquor, beer, you name it. You, you, you want to live Wise. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the contrast. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's wise. I was thinking driving over this morning. I've talked to a lot of people over the years. And I've heard people tell me that they got pulled over for DUI. We have cops in the room. They pull people over for DUI. Hey, I was driving under the influence of alcohol or weed or whatever. I've been on this planet for 58 years, Mike, and I've never had one person tell me, man, I got pulled over because I was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I got so ghosted. I was worshiping, I was praising God. And I, I just got pulled over. Never had one person tell me that. Alcoholism is destroying so many people's lives. Alcoholism and alcohol itself. Alcohol is the most used drug in the United States. It is one of the most advertised Products in our nation. Hey, it's Miller time. This bud's for you. Go for the gusto, the old Schlitz commercial would say. Schaefer, the beer to have when you're having more than one. All these crazy things regarding alcohol, they make it so attractive, they make it so luring. Go to the mountains, Coors whatever. The alcohol industry generates more than $65 billion a year. And some of you under my voice have contributed to that number. Alcohol-related car crashes is the leading cause of death for young people between the ages of 16 and 24 Over 50% of all fatal car crashes on the highway involving two or more cars are alcohol related. Over 65% of all fatal single car crashes are alcohol related. And 80% of fatal crashes occur between sundown and sunrise. And Joe, you know this, you've worked in that space in law enforcement for so long, brother. Yet, so many people are in bondage to it. It destroys lives. It will wreck you. It will break you. People will go broke. They will lose everything they have. And I would encourage you, we have such a powerful recovery ministry here at the cross. A Christ-centered 12-step. I was in here Thursday night. I had a guy that's been attending reach out to me and he says, man, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic. I, I've got issues. And I said, I'll tell you what, I will go with you Thursday night if you'll go. Meet me at my house. And he did. And we sat there. And this is not a place where people are just feeling sorry for each other and making excuses and pacifying each other. This is actually a place where people are experiencing hope and being set free because of the power of the gospel when you study scripture drunkenness is content, it's condemned throughout the pages of the scripture it doesn't matter where you go it's condemned and he even says here in ephesians drunkenness is dissipation it leads to dissipation what does that mean it means you get hammered and it's fun and it's even funny But it doesn't last, it dissipates, and then you wake up feeling like hell the next morning. Don't go to work, calling in sick, all jacked up. It dissipates, it doesn't last. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit lasts. Hey, don't get drunk. That leads to dissipation. You're going to do some stupid things when you get drunk. You're going to make some foolish decisions. There's a good chance you might wreck your life. And here was the game changer for me. Honestly, honestly, this was such the game changer for me years ago. Coming out of a lifestyle of paganism and living for the flesh, coming to faith in Christ right before I turned 23, I get saved and people go, well, it's okay to have a cold beer. It's okay to. Here was the game changer for me. Was it really an occasional beverage or really was it a drug? And it was a drug for me. I never drank a beer for the enjoyment of drinking a beer. I drank a beer so that I could get to the sixth beer and the twelfth beer and... And I've had people say, well, it's cool to have an occasional drink. Give me a working definition of occasional. So many people are in bondage. They're addicts. And for so many people, they should never, never, never even have a sip of alcohol. Should never have a sip of alcohol. Because it is destroying people's lives. It will destroy your testimony. Is it cool to have an occasional glass of wine? You make the call if it's occasional and if it's just a beverage you're having. But if you're using it as a leverage point, as a drug, and you know that it's going to lead to you getting hammered, stop, stop that foolishness. Why? Because as believers, you're light. And anything you pour into you that dulls the brilliance of the light of Christ and creates darkness in you, stay away from it. That's the emphasis. Come on. I promise you, walking in freedom is being able to look and go, I don't need that. that, that that's jacked with me over the years. So what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't don't get drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Four things, and this is ongoing. This is progressive for me. You repent and turn from sin. The only way to break it is, I've got to run in a different direction. I've got to unplug from that. I I, got to get away from it. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. I've got to repent, I got to turn from it. And then I have to receive Jesus as my Savior and authority and master. Lord, I experience salvation where I'm saved from the penalty of hell, saved to Jesus, knowing that my eternal life is, is secure in his hands. But part of it, part of it, progressive is every morning. I know Jesus. I'm saved. I'm not getting saved every day. But it was like, Lord, save me from me again today. You've saved me to you, but would you save me from me? Because my flesh patterns will get aroused today. And and if I'm not careful, I will want to appease and gratify my flesh. And would you just save me from me again and save me to you? So you repent, you receive, and then you have to get to the place where you start to realize who you are in Christ. My identity is a child of of God. I'm a child of the king. And he goes, You realize because you belong to me and I'm in you, there's no condemnation any longer? God doesn't condemn me. God loves me. God's for me. And he wants to lead me. So I repent, I receive, I I recognize and realize who I am. And then I walk. I walk in the spirit, I listen to the voice of the Father. He says, if you'll walk in the spirit, I promise you, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you're walking with God and listening to God and in tune with God, he goes, I promise you, it's a safeguard to walking in the flesh. The flesh is still going to try to arouse. But when you're filled and flooded and saturated and controlled, Hazel, by the Holy Spirit, you go, I I, I don't want to do that anymore. Let me give you three things he kind of emphasizes in this text. There's other things that we could look at. But based on Ephesians 5, there's three ways that kind of reveal or manifest to others and to even ourselves that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You read the text. One of the ways is this, singing and worshiping the Lord with all your heart. A person who loves God, who has been redeemed by God, who is really seeking God, what they'll start to realize is their heart becomes overflowing with the goodness of God, and and they just want to praise God and worship God and sing to God. That's what happened in my life. Instead of trying to listen to Skinner and the Doobies and Boston in Kansas, I was like, for some odd reason, I'm being gravitated toward worship music. Back in that day, I was listening to new song, my buddy, Terry Clark out of California, but I'm like, I just want to worship and praise God. What happened to you? Well, I, I, I was lost and I was feeding my flesh, but all of a sudden God's got a hold of my heart and I just want to sing and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. I think you will want to do that. He says, do it with Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Just a person redeemed by the Lord, Craig, just wants to worship and praise God. And, and I personally believe that Christ's centered followers desire to gather for corporate worship that's why quarantine and isolation has hurt so many tiffany if you're watching today you know i love you and it's been such a tough time with your dad being hospitalized and just the sickness in your family but you wrote me last week and you said i miss engaging in worship so much and i'm like i know you do But I can tell you this, when you ponder this whole thing of worshiping God, and God's got a hold of my heart. I want to worship him. Rachel Cash, the good thing is, praise the Lord, this fits for me. There's not one mention in this text about how good your singing voice has to be. Rachel's got a beautiful singing voice. They constantly tell me driving down the road, hush. And I'm like, I'm not singing to you. I've been redeemed. Well, just don't sing quite as loud. You can make a joyful noise, but not at that decibel. I'm like, okay. You know, one of the other manifestations or signs that we're really allowing the Holy Spirit to control us and we're filled with the Spirit is that we're going to be thankful and grateful. That's what he says. Always, always give thanks. That that means when things are good and things are bad and health is flourishing and you're sick, that, that, that means no matter what's going on, even in Thessalonians, he says, and all things give thanks. This is the will of God. You've got breath. You're alive. I love hanging out with grateful people. But man, I have to take the critic and the griper in dosages. There's some people that make me sick at my stomach because they claim to be followers of Christ, but they think griping and complaining is a spiritual gift. I will tell you it is straight from hell. It's a spiritual gift. But I think one of the signs is, man, we just want to praise the Lord. I was pondering Job chapter 1 this week, where verse 20 says, Job fell on the ground and worshiped. When? He had lost his, his kids. He had lost his farm. All this calamity had come upon Job's life. And listen what he says. Naked I came into this world, even in my mom's womb, and naked I will leave. He goes, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives, God takes away. There's highs, there's lows. There's victories and then there's tragedies. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. And and I'm telling you, when he says in all, in all things, just, just be thankful. Just be thankful. Anything I have is a blessing from the Lord. And anything he takes away is for his glory. God knows what he's doing. He gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I did not stand in line for breath. I did not stand in line for anything. I had guys that were more competitive than me growing up. Guys that were desirous of pursuing sports more than me. I loved it. I chased it. I wanted it. But I did not stand in line to be 6'3 and to be 215 and to be able to throw in the mid-90s. That was a gift. There's other people. Their arms didn't work that way. Their bodies didn't work that way. And, Kenny, anything we have is a gift from God. I look back on that, and I thought it was me developing me. But it was really that God had blessed me, and I wasn't acknowledging God for so many years. Whatever you've got is a gift from God. And thankfulness really does come, Carolyn, from a, a hard attitude, Billy, that says, oh, I don't deserve anything. I deserve death. I, des- I deserve eternal hell. I, I don't deserve anything. Oh. Give thanks, he says, in all things for everything, for your house, for your car, for what's broken down, what's working, what's not working. Give thanks. And I believe one of the greatest things that we can do is to offer back to God a heart of thankfulness saying, hey, thank you. Thank you. We live in a culture where people are getting so puzzled and so frustrated when the internet goes out. Are you serious? Internet. I didn't come home from school and play on the Internet. We came home from school and played basketball and kicked the cans. What was Internet? Right? Well, I've got to have a new car. I've got to have a new this. I've got to have, really? And and when we're starting to give thanks in everything, like, Lord, thank you for having clothes. Thank you for having water. Thank you for having running water. Thank you for having clean water. Man, I can't even get past water every day if I start giving thanks. One of the things I wrote down was this. Being thankful happens in the hearts of the humble, not the hearts of the entitled. Not being thankful is a huge indicator of pride. When... when when you see a humble person who is grateful and thankful, it's like, man, that, that, that's attractive. But when you see an ungrateful person who's mad at the world, they're flooded with pride, there, there's some entitlement in there. He says, Give thanks to God the Father. You're giving thanks in all things for everything. Praise the Father. Do you realize that when you praise God in the midst of whatever, it is an incredible witness? of your dependence on the Lord for others. Hey, you know what? They're not faking it till they make it. They really do believe this. They're giving thanks. I'm like, yeah, just give thanks. Give thanks in the name of Jesus. Those are the four things, Dave, that we extract from this text here. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would have nothing to be thankful for. When he willfully leaves heaven and takes on a robe of flesh and comes and lives 33 plus years, with no sin, and becomes the lamb of God, a sacrificial lamb that would die for my sin, and then he would be raised on the third day. If Jesus does not do what Jesus does, I'm facing an an eternity in hell. Hey, give thanks! Every day, give thanks. And I can tell you this, and I can promise you This, thankless people are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, hey, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow God to saturate you. Be thankful. Praise the Lord. And then he says, this is a fun one right here. He goes, "Why why don't you submit to one another in reverence and respect for Christ? Submit? The word submit comes from the word militant term. You know it. Josh, it means to rank under. It means to willfully say, I'm ranking under the lordship of Christ. And and to rank under means I'm willing to put others ahead of me. Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit. But with humility of mind, regard others as more important than yourself. Be willing to submit. Submit. Just, I don't have to be right. I can take care of you. And I started thinking how many fights and how many divisions would occur in church, in marriage, in relationships if we humbled ourselves to others. The reason relationships blow up is you get a prideful, egotistical, dominant, dog in somebody. It's like, I can't, that's not happening. Mutual, you see, this right here is often proclaimed, or even in many of your Bibles, if you open them up. This is like kind of the, the last piece of this walking in wisdom. And then we go to verse 22. Wives, submit to your husband. This right here is an ongoing thing. Submit to one another in marriage. That's where we're going. That's where we're going next. Because mutual submission and subjection to the lordship of Christ is foundational for a marriage. It's foundational for a friendship. If I walk in the light, as you're in the light, we can have fellowship with one another. One's in light, one's in darkness. It doesn't work. So you would say, why why do we submit Out of reverence to Christ? Because Jesus submitted to the Father. Was he less than? No. Was he equal to? Yes. But he says, always do what pleases the Father. This subjection is the heartbeat of Christ. And I promise you, walking in humility says, I I, I don't have to be right here. Honoring and loving others, serving others is wise. Now, here's the practical to wrap. James chapter 3. James, to me, kind of gives us clarity, if you will, with wisdom. James 3, beginning in verse 13. Hey, you want to be wise? You want to live a life of wisdom? That's what he says. You want to build a reputation as being a wise guy that really is flooded with God's wisdom? Live with responsibility and humility. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that really counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, is first pure. It's pure, then it's peaceable, then it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's full of mercy, it produces good fruit, it's unwavering, and it's without Hypocrisy. Hey, you want to be wise? You want to really live a life of wisdom? Paul is emphasizing here to the believers in Ephesus, just be wise. I would encourage you to take this wisdom test. Pure. Here's the question. Do those closest to me trust my motives? If I'm walking in wisdom and if I'm walking pure before the Lord, do those closest to me, my, my wife, my kids, my, my family, those that I work with, do they trust my motive? Do they trust my character? Have I done anything to totally shipwreck this? Am I a truthful, honest, trustworthy person? Here's the second thing, peaceable. How well do you get along with others? What is your track record? Is there a debris of confusion in your portfolio, even here recently? How how well do you get along with other people? Do you invite? Do you attract? Do you push away? That, that, That person's peaceable. Gentle and considerate gentle, and considerate. Are you sensitive to the needs of those around you? Are you sensitive to anybody else on the planet? Are you mindful of anybody else? Reasonable. Do you always have to win? Do you always have to be right? Do you always have to share your opinion? Or Do you only share it with the people that are going to applaud you? Are you reasonable? And we're living in very unreasonable times. We're living in a day where people seem to gravitate toward confirmational bias. It's like only the things I like and the things I want to like will I listen to anybody that likes the same things I do. I'm not open to honest discussion I've got to be right. That's the day we're living in. And God goes, you know, part of the manifestation of the Spirit of God being inside of you is that you'll be peaceable with other people, reasonable with other people. Merciful. Merciful is the kindness and compassion of God extended to those living in misery. And you have to go, mercy. How well do I respond to the weak, to the hurting, the down, and the out? Do I have mercy? Mercy. Unwavering, do I consistently stand on God's truth and his principles? Or do I find myself faltering right now, sincere, without hypocrisy? The word hypocrisy means to be without cracks, and it means to be what you present yourself as being. And he goes, basically, do others see you as being a straight shooter, or do they see you as Being a bull shooter. I guess that word would be appropriate now. Are you a straight shooter? Do you tell the truth? Are you honest? So here's some things I wrote out Being wise means I will maximize every opportunity to grow in wisdom. No matter what's going on, I want to maximize this to grow, I want to get more of God's wisdom. Man, that was a rough experience. Well, experience is not always a good teacher, but it is the only school the fool will ever attend. You better learn from the experience. I want to grow in this. So in what specific areas do I need to be more conformed to Christ? If I am wise, I will not resent God. When he corrects me or disciplines me. But I will respond to God without resistance and bitterness. I'm moving toward growth and maturation. God goes, i got to discipline you in this area. I discipline those that I love. Proverbs twelve fifteen says fools are headstrong and they do what they like. But wise people take advice. What areas of your life do you need to trust God more? Whether it's financial, job, relationships, whatever. Being wise means I will not compromise or negotiate with humanism or with secular teaching or with secular perverted philosophies which excludes God. I'm not going to compromise in these areas. That's a perverted philosophy. That's humanism. That's secularism. That doesn't honor God. And you do, you have to step back going, am I mixing truth with falsehood and, and, and Am I standing on principle and truth and doing it with love? Being wise means that I'm not going to slander others with condescending, condemning words. When you slander others, you're not telling me a whole lot about the person you're attacking, but you're telling me a whole lot about you. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, avoiding a fight, that's a mark of honor. Only fools insist on arguing. It's like, what steps am I going to take to be more a reflection to Jesus to my world because I'm light and I'm walking in wisdom. And if people ever needed to see the church be light and wise, it's now. The church does not need to be conducting itself as foolish and dark and ignorant. People are starving for hope and peace right now. And we need revival. We need every person around us to experience the goodness of the gospel. We need to experience revival every day in our lives. If people experience the goodness of God and really love God and honor God and and really believe when they put their hand on the Bible, it was the word of God, they would not... Abort babies. They would not redefine sexual identity that God has laid out, intentional male and female. They wouldn't do that if they knew the Lord. They would not do that if they were seeking to walk in the wisdom of God. We need revival in this land. We need the church to step up and be light and to live a life of wisdom right now. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we wanna see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.